special beginning to keep it at 94 this week. As the Sacramento Kings, they are now a winning basketball team. Seven and six, above 500. It's what you call a winning streak. About 150 burger on the Brooklyn Nets on national television. It's a beautiful thing to watch. Mike Brown's got him screaming. We also had another great game between the Pelicans and the Grizzlies right before that. John Morant's just sensational. But Pelicans and their team just doing a great job. CJ McCollum coming out of a slump, solid game. Larry Nance Jr., what more can you say about that guy and how he's played this season? It's been a really fun week of basketball because we're talking about basketball. Imagine that. That was, of course, until the articles with Kevin Durant and his quotes came out. One with Mark Spears of ESPN, another with Chris Haynes of Yahoo, or not, not of Yahoo anymore. He's of Bleacher Report now. We're going to dig into all of that. And of course, the great return, Brian Fritz back on Keep It in 94 with me, Spencer Davies. Another episode, courtesy of the basketballnews.com podcast network. Brian, back in the flesh. On the pod. How's I'm finally back, and you're you're back from your little fun uh, weekend trip, and uh, I'm finally back after uh, getting caught up with uh, other work last week. So uh, I'm glad that you were able to uh, march on without me. Yeah, no, Ethan did a great job. I thought, you know, we bounced off of each other really well, and we were talking about <laughs> the the young teams that, that no one really gives any love and continuing my crusade of uh, talking about Shea Gilgis-Alexander, as I have been the entire season, by the way, and now everyone's just kind of getting hip to it. So, By the nice. way, since you were talking about the Kings, two things. Um, mm-hmm. Do you want to properly pronounce their name now? Oh, what's this? The Kangs. It is not the Kangs. The Come Kangs on. are the ones that sit in the bottom of the Western Conference. This team comes out and shoots your lights out. Would you like to also uh, emulate your guy, Mike Brown, and give the primal scream? Uh! <laughs> it's the calling. It's the calling now. It's just how it goes. Sorry, guys. It's like when Ron Burgundy calls for the rest of his news team to assemble. That's what Mike Brown does. When he wants the team to assemble. Ah! We don't have. We don't have. What is it? Would he blew through a conch or something or a yes. shell, yeah. seashell? <laughs> I don't know what it was. Some horn. Maybe they should get a Baxter too. Maybe they should. But damn, man, it's fun to watch them right now. I mean, I saw them just kind of cut through the Cavs too, and this isn't this is no fluke, guys. They can shoot. Kevin Herter, he can shoot. Malik Monk off the bench, he can shoot. He can score. Get others involved. They're playing through Domas Sabonis, who's running a ton of dribble handoffs, not putting pick and roll positions anymore, and guys are flying off of those, and they're shooting. They're letting it fly. It's very fun to watch. I saw where ESPN's Bobby Marks put up a uh, post on Twitter earlier today um, while Twitter is still with us. And he mentioned like some of the numbers that they have been uh, putting up lately. So in the last four games, the Kings are 4-0 with wins over the Cavs, the Lakers, the Warriors, and the Nets. Shooting 42.5% from three-point range, 130.5 points per game, and they're first on offense. And their next three games are against the Spurs, the Pistons, and the Grizzlies. I mean, what I tell you about that strength of schedule early, too, Bri, I told you that. I mean, it's not going to be easy when you're putting a team together, got a new coach, you got some new pieces around your core. It takes some time sometimes. But... Damn it, I'll tell you, they can they can absolutely knock the cover off that ball when they let it fly. I mean, Trey Lyles had one of the best games I've ever seen against the Cavs. Uh just just, just that what he's done individually. Um he's obviously had it, you know, been up and down, but Mike Brown's continuously encouraged him to let it fly instead of pump faking and driving. Uh, you know, I mentioned Herder Herder is gonna absolutely let that thing fly. Uh, Terrence Davis, once Keegan Murray went down, Murray, by the way, who's shooting really well, 
but Murray went down, uh, you know, just precautionary back injury. Terrence Davis comes in, drops 31. <laughs> like, you know, like they, they've just got a lot, a lot of firepower. And uh, it's been fun to watch. And, uh, you know, I, I don't like, you know, the the winning, losing trades argument. And people were getting on him about trading Halliburton. Probably she'll stood or still should. I don't know how I said she'll stood. But uh, Domas Sabonis, I tried to tell people how good that guy is. And uh, he's a really, really good hub for them to get open shots and to really get that offense moving. And that goes without mentioning what Deer and Fox is capable of, capable of uh, in getting to the rim and, and really making it happen. Look at what the Kings did on Tuesday night. And I know that these things happen sometimes. Everybody gets hot. but I'm, And I know the Nets are not exactly like a defensive stopper team. But you put up 153 points against anybody in this league. That's impressive. Yes, sir. No 153 doubt. points. This... They shot 60% from the field for that game, and they hit 23s. 23s. 20. 20. You would say what you will about plus minus. Some people don't like that stat. Some people do. Sabonis was a plus 44. Yeah, no. Herder was a plus 40. Sometimes it's indicative, man. Terrence Davis hit seven threes. Yeah. He had 31 points off the bench. By the way, their quarters, 36 37. So 73 points in the first half. You're thinking that's pretty good. Then 42 and 38. They put up 80 in the second half. That's that's crazy lot. numbers. That, that's that's just a crazy <laughs> offensive output. It and, is. It was their most points in a game, I think, TNT said, since 1993. So that kind of right. puts it in perspective, I think. But, I mean, you look at this Kings team right now, and, I mean, I was a little bit late at the beginning of the season. I thought, okay, I'll I'll admit I'll put him in. I know that the, that was one of the, uh-huh. my yeah, picks I convinced, that I changed. I convinced I changed. you, you and did. then you abandoned ship, as always. No. in the first week of the season. No, no, but I mean, they're seven and six. They've won four in a row. Abandoned ship, Brian. Let's go back to the tape. Abandoned ship. <laughs> I told you, you just gotta wait it out. Greatness doesn't come overnight. Oh. Remember that. Tell that the Laker fans. What? <laughs> That's actually hey, the the points thing though is a good transition in the first topic you want to talk about though and that's just about the league scoring um, which is and, and individual performances that we've seen. I mean, you've got John, John Morant on here. Uh I just was able to witness Darius Garland throw up 51 on Sunday. Uh you know, we're having a lot of those 40 point nights. Jason Tatum I mean, another one that's just out of this world, Donovan Mitchell. Uh, you know, we're having a lot of really special scoring performances early this season. Um, what are your thoughts on that? And and I know that you had some details you wanted to fill us in. It, it's crazy with the the amount of scoring right now because, like you said, we've seen so many different 40-point nights. I mean, Joel Embiid had that 59-point game on Sunday against the yep. Jazz. I mean, you look at scoring – right now and there are eight players averaging 30 or more points john morant is just off of that at 29.3 points that's crazy to look at that and i mean luca's leading with 34.4 points but i mean you've got with his 40 percent usage rate right <laughs> and he's actually taking the night off tonight they're giving him a, a rest they rest. are yes they are yeah so I mean, you've got eight players that are averaging over 30 points, which I think I heard Kevin Pelton, I'm trying to remember this off the top of my head, say that uh, there hasn't been this many people scoring 30 or more points going back to like 1961-62, something along those lines. It's absolutely crazy to, to look at the scoring, and we'll see if it keeps up, but I mean, you want to talk about just, you know, everybody putting up these numbers, and it's a lot of it's superstars, too. I mean, if you really kind of look down the list, there are 12 players averaging um, over 25 points. LeBron's actually averaging 24.9, so we could put him in there, so it's 13. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's just a lot of players that are scoring points right now, and I think a lot of it is 
because more superstars are playing more minutes. The schedule is kind of eased up a little bit. I mean, we're finally gotten over that um, the weird pandemic season, obviously. I think everybody's kind of gotten their legs back. Um, the way that the NBA puts out their schedule now, there's more rest days in there. And you're seeing more star players playing more minutes because right now, and I looked this up too, there are 34 players averaging more than 34 minutes a game. 24 players are averaging more than 35 minutes a game. Tell See? me Shay's in that. Um, let me find my list here and I can tell you. Exactly. I said I wonder because I know that dude's got to be scoring over 30 a game right now. Right now, Has uh, minutes per game. Donovan Mitchell is at the most. At nearly 40 right now. Yeah. Uh, SGA is 35.9. So basically 36 go. minutes a game. So he's a part of the. Okay. There you go. There you have it. But I mean, it's. It's crazy. Like Jason Tatum and Tyrese Maxey and Luca are all averaging over 37 minutes. Uh, Devin Booker, Mikhail Bridges, Jalen Brown, they're just off of 37 minutes. Josh Hart is averaging 36 minutes. And that explains it. That explains the Blazers' defense, man. That, Jeremy Grant. Oh, my God. Jeremy Grant's been good. Ricky Shaden Sharp for the Blazers, too. Sorry, I just had to get that in Jeremy Grant averaging 35.8 minutes per game. Yep. In 21 points? Mm-hmm. Perfect, perfect third guy that can be a second or even uh, a one guy on certain nights that is really benefiting from the attention that Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons kind of take from, from defenders so that he can operate the way he, we know he can offensively. We've seen it. We saw it in Detroit that first year. Like, that... That's a that's a really cool little detail, though. But look at, I mean, when you look at team scoring, I was looking at this as well. The Celtics are averaging 120 points per game. Mm-hmm. They're averaging 117 per 100 possessions. I mean, that is three points better than anybody else in the league when it comes to um, per 100. Sure. Yeah, no. And, I mean, again, it goes back to Tatum. It goes to, to Brown. But what about, you know, Grant Williams knocking down a ridiculous amount of threes when they're creating them for him? Um, you know, Marcus Smart just single-handedly closed out a game on Monday uh, that they had a really tough battle with the Thunder. Uh, you know, they, they've got a lot of good, solid offensive players on that team. And, uh, they, you know, their defense might be a little lacking, but uh, they're also waiting on Robert Williams III to come back. Uh, I think I saw a report out there that they're keeping a close eye on Jakob Pertl. You know, like... That, that's a team right there that really knows what it's doing. They're really shooting 38% doing the, from three-point range. Yeah, I mean, they're knocking down threes left and right. Sam Hauser is hitting 45% of threes Yep, on four-and-a-half um, three-point attempts per He's game. been getting at least 15 to 20 minutes of action a night, like the last like, week be. and a half, yeah. He should be, because, and that's all he does is shoot threes, but that's all he needs sure. to shoot as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just a gunner out there. Um but you look at this team and the overall their field goal percentage. I mean, as a team, they're shooting 48%. Um, they're shooting 84% from the um, free throw line. So, I mean, they just make shots. Well-oiled machine. Well-oiled yes, machine. very much. And, I mean, and, and you know, going back to the offseason, I, I was one of the people that really thought early on with all of the off-court drama with the coaching, you know, situation, and then being without Robert Williams for – you know, the first few months of the season, we still know exactly when he's coming back, but it's probably going to be January, if not later. Uh, I wonder if this team was going to have to go through some growing pains here to begin the season. And instead, they just picked up where they were last season and said, nope, we're fine. We're good. Yeah. And, you know, there's going to be ebbs and flows in a season, but I think the the concentration that that team's had early on and the, you know, the discipline and the poise that they've shown it's really impressive. It's really impressive. And but mind you, by the way, two of those losses came from Cleveland in overtime. So they right. could easily they could probably be a one loss team or even undefeated to this point. That's what that's what's really, I think, um, you know, a scary element about the Celtics right now. And, and they're 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 just only getting better and more more together as the season's gone along. And you look at, you know, I know we mentioned this a couple weeks ago in the Way too early. How dare you even mention this right now? MVP race, but um, Jason Tatum is right there at the top. Oh yeah, that's and and I, you know there is a there is a way too early thing 
you know, attached to that. But we know that Jason Tatum's a, a an MVP candidate, you know, probably every year going forward now. That's just where he is at the stage of his career. Um, he's still young and he's still adding to his game. Um, I think, you know, he's, he's even getting a floater in there now. Um, just pieces and parts like that. And, and, and the fact that he's able to just kind of really take the onus on himself when it comes down to the, you know, the fourth quarter too. Well, the Celtics are red hot right now. I mean, they've won seven in a row Mm -hmm. and you know, they've, they've got a little three-game road trip that begins tonight in Atlanta. Then they go to New Orleans. Hell of a game on tap there, I'll tell you that. That's Ooh. a nice game. Tonight's a nice schedule in the NBA, let me tell you. Recording this on a Wednesday afternoon, by the way, ladies and gents. And you look at the games that are coming up tonight. Celtics, Hawks, and we've got um, Cavs at Milwaukee. And the Warriors against the Suns. Warriors trying to start to pick it up as well. The I mean, Warriors trying the, to get the, their the, first road win. Trying to get season. it going on the road, I should say. Yeah. But I mean, they, they seem to be, you know, getting a little bit of their their mojo back, it seems. Right. But I mean, yeah. the you look at the Celtics and we'll see with this three game road trip because after that they've got an extended homestand. And there you go. I mean, after that, what is it? One, two, three, six games at home? Going into the holidays, probably on a on a hot streak if they continue this level of play. Yeah. I mean, six at home, and then they go six on the road. So, but I mean, they're they're playing as good as anybody in the league, and and this is even you know without Time Lord, like we said. So, I mean, their defense, you know, isn't where you would think it should be right now, um, but it'll get there. I mean, when it comes to defensive efficiency, they're twenty fourth right now, but. You know, when they need to tighten the screws, they'll do it. And then when that day comes and they, they get time more back, you know, later in the season, I would expect that to improve a lot as well. Have to agree on that. I want to watch more of this Hawks team, so I'm excited to watch that game tonight. I haven't I, I admittedly haven't been able to pay attention enough to to Atlanta this year, but they're just kind of sneakily, you know, the third best team in the Eastern Conference by record at the moment. And, you know, Getting a lot of Trey Ball, Trey Young off the ball with with the Dejounte um, handling in times. You have uh, a budding budding uh, rookie in AJ Griffin looking really solid. Um, you know, not even just as as one of the best stands still shooter uh, rookies that they have, but also somebody who's able to you know cut and and kind of be a play connector. Um, he's got a really really smooth jumper. Um, I want to watch more of him. I mean, just from the little amount of highlights I've seen, he's looked really, really solid. And uh, that's somebody who, remember, uh, you know, before last year was in the conversation of of top 10 in that class. And then, you know, obviously he had the injury troubles at Duke and, you know, he played a little bit, um, you know, uh, not as much as, as we thought he would play. Um, and, and then this, the injury scared some teams away. He didn't go till you know, just a little bit after the lottery and he looks like he's, he's, he's a pro ready. And, uh, you know, another guy too, uh, Jalen Johnson that I, I look forward to watching play as well. Cause he was another prospect from uh, Duke before he left, um, a couple of years ago. So, um, there's that. And, and then, you know, Capella seems to have really turned it on as of late as well. So it should be a good matchup between Atlanta and Boston. I think, uh, I mean, it goes back to the same conversation we've been having for months, Brian. I mean, this this league right now is just so, so, so tight. It's so tight. There are literally four teams or five teams that are not, you know, great. But the, even the ones that we thought would be, you know, quote-unquote bottom feeders, they're winning games and they're being competitive. There's, there's not a whole lot of blowouts going on. I mean, 19 of the 30 teams are 500 or better. It's crazy, man. And, I mean, and, even yeah. and even if you look at Orlando, you're looking at how much they're literally, I mean, we spotlighted this last week, me and Ethan did, but they've been in the most close games and clutch situations out of any team in the league. And, and, and you know, like they learn how to close and then one thing leads to another and, you know, their record could be a little bit better than that. And they've been playing without Paolo Bancaro. You, you know, you have... Uh, Charlotte, who just got LaMelo Ball back. So they're probably going to start making an ascension up the the standings. 
Um, like it's it's legitimately tight. And you know, some of the teams that we expected to be at the the further up in the standings, you know, like Miami's on a three game winning streak. Bam at a bio is having one of his best seasons, uh, continuously gets better. Uh, Nikias Duncan did a great article for us at basketballnews.com about how they're employing him at drop coverage now instead of keeping him out there and switching on the perimeter, just trying some things out. It's the right time to do it. Um, Jimmy Butler had an amazing close uh, to a game on on Monday, uh, just absolutely stifling De- Devin Booker that uh, in a one-on-one uh, situation. Uh, it was a really, really fun possession to watch, you know. Uh, and and their their three point shooters are starting to come along a little bit more after they got off to a little uh, rough start. So you know that's another team, Philly. You just mentioned that Embiid went off for that ridiculous fifty nine points. They've been without James Harden, but you know it's guys like Tyrese Maxey, uh, Tobias Harris, and you look at what DeAnthony Melton has brought to that team, uh, just a, as a hard nosed defender, somebody who's going to pick the pace up and and really get those deflections. So. Again, it's just the, these these teams are really tight, and I know it, it probably sounds like a broken record at this point, but there's nothing else to talk about other than, damn, there's some real competition in here. Absolutely. And we'll see, you know, what kind of separation we get because it's still early. I mean, most teams have played like between 12 to 14 games. But that being said, I mean – there's Even Toronto's hanging games. around, and they haven't had Pascal Siakam or Fred Van Vliet. Right. Like they're they're throwing out Delano Banton and Scotty Barnes and like OG Ananobi, who had a ridiculous stretch of steals, uh, you know, the last like week and a half, two weeks, you know. But they're still staying afloat. Christian Coloco, my goodness, another great, you know, showing uh, from from a rookie who's been able to to make an impact right off the bat. So like these, there's all these teams we aren't talking about. The Wizards, I mean. Kristaps is is uh, averaging over like twenty points a game right now, and he's playing really solid. And remember, they had been without Bradley Beal because he had been in health and safety protocols, but he's found a little bit of a rhythm. And you know, like this this team has been defending. Kuzma's been playing well. Um, you know, Avdia, they've got some good pieces there, and. They, they seem to have gotten kind of into a rhythm themselves. So <laughs> up and down, up and down. And you're probably going to, again, have ebbs and flows, but uh, there's something you can highlight about each team, really. There is. I mean, you're starting to see some teams kind of come back a little bit. We wondered, like, okay, maybe they got out to a little bit of a hot start, a little bit better, or maybe they did not start off well, but now are coming around. Like, you know, the Nets are coming around. You know, they've lost two in a row, but I mean, you can Yeah, last see- night was an anomaly. I mean, you're playing the Kings. That's the NBA title favorites. So Right. And you, when they know- play, they lost to the Lakers. But I mean, remember in that game, no Ben Simmons, no Seth Curry. Nick Claxton got hurt in the game. And the Anthony Davis took advantage and went off for, what, 37 and 18? So Yeah, before that, I think they had been four and one. Something like that. Yeah, so, I mean, Jock Vaughn had him playing well, you know. And- right. And, and, you know, we're not going to get into this, but this is without Kyrie Irving. And who knows? if and when he is going to come back, you know, but I mean, they get those other guys coming back, especially I think Curry, you know, um, the Ben Simmons element is uh, something. Uh, I feel see. bad because last night he actually looked productive and the, and he yeah. was able, he, so he wasn't afraid to take shots. He, I know this is a very low bar for someone like Ben Simmons and a player of what his caliber was, but he did score 11 last night. A lot of that was in transition or even in the half court. He was just using his left shoulder and and putting up some of those like little float shots. He was willing to take them and he was also, you know, getting other guys involved, made some really heady passes, had some solid deflections, a steal, I think. And he looked like he was okay. The, the, the one thing, the one play I think a lot of people realize though is that he his he's been sapped of his old athleticism or he's just not back fully from that injury because on one of those alley-oops he barely got up off the floor and, well, and but he, he he made it and he dunked it but it just wasn't wasn't Ben of old he did that interview with the athletic that just came out and in that he admitted like my back is fine but it's my knee now 
that's a mess. I'm getting around the clock treatment, which, you know, at least it's not his back, but at the same time, it's scary. That it sounds like there's another really bad nagging injury that he's having to deal with all the because time. Because once you have one and the other body right. parts start, and then it becomes mental. And it's a, it was already mental with him. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, you know, one of the things that really, you know, catches you, you know, in that article is that the team is really getting frustrated with this play. And I know that Ben will say, hey, I've been injured. I've done this, that, the other, you know, to to try to get my body right. I'm still working on that. And I understand the frustrations from everybody. But when you start hearing things about some around the team wonder about his passion to play, I mean, that that really sets up a red flag to me. And, and, you know, I don't know when he is going to be healthy or if this is going to be something that even beyond the health issues dealing with, is this going to be a confidence thing or, or are we going to see anything close to the old Ben Simmons that we, we saw, you know, when he was in Philly, you know, a couple of years ago, like here's a weird stat. Okay. Or two weird stats. You mentioned the game last night. He looked pretty good, right? 11 points and whatever else he did. Right. That's why the article was interesting timing. Yes. So 11 points, five rebounds, three assists. That's the first time he scored double digits in 500 days, 500 days. Since he's had a game where he scored double digits. Okay, I mentioned that Joel Embiid the other night had a ridiculous game where he put up 59 points. Ben Simmons has scored 58 points so far this season. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's... That puts it in perspective, doesn't it? It does. Like, and, I mean, I mean it's just... we were like so many other people in the offseason... That sit there and go, all right, if Ben has passed his back injury and if everything's right and he's in a good frame of mind, think of what this team could be. If you've got a healthy Kyrie, a healthy KD, a healthy Ben Simmons, everybody motivated, you could see like there's talent and we could see the pieces fitting. Now take the Kyrie element out of it and you just talk about Ben. He hasn't even been close yet. No. And... I don't know where they're going to be going from this. I mean, we we could sit there and nag about the issues with that point guard and everything, but at the same time, there's there's other deeper issues with this team and what they want to do going forward. Well, and do you want to get to the elephant in the room with the for the Nets? Please do, because, I mean, bring those up, because I've only been able to slightly peruse them because of my day, but I know that you've been able to, you know, read these two interviews that uh, KD did. Yeah, so... KD did a sit down with Anscapes, Mark Spears, and uh, he talked to Chris Haynes of Bleacher Report. And I'm just going to read you the most, I guess, damning quote, but you have to also, like, it's almost contradictory in and of itself. Because if you read this article, you realize the tone isn't, oh, I want out of here. It's not negative. It's not. People are running with it as it as if it is, but it's not. They go back and revisit why he requested a trade at the time, but then once he started talking highly of Jock Vaughn and, and all that stuff, like you realize this wasn't like KD's asking to get out of here. But again, putting this out in the public space in the public eye, probably not a good idea in the climate of Twitter. So I'm just going to read you a quote uh, from the article. Kevin Durant. <clears throat> uh, let's see this. I'll, I'll just do an excerpt. How about that? So this is this is Haynes. In year 16, Durant says he takes pride in remaining a top-level player and wants to set an example of how a player can maximize situations that may not be ideal. He said that the Nets don't measure up with the best on the league on paper, but he hopes to instill confidence into his teammates that they have a legitimate chance against anyone. Here's the Kevin Durant quote. <laughs> It's, 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 I feel bad, but look at our starting lineup. Edmund Sumner, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Nick Claxton, and me. It's not disrespect, but what are you expecting from that group? You expect us to win because I'm out there. So if you're watching from that lens, you're expecting us to play well because number seven is out there. I'm really having a good time. I wish y'all could hear me talk during the game. If I got mic'd up more, People would stop asking me if I'm happy or not. I'm enjoying every moment I get to step out on this effing court. And part of it is because I tore my Achilles. 
and the pandemic. I didn't know if we were going to play again. I didn't know if I was going to play again. In that article, okay, that, so so I, I think it's important to also note him talking about how much he likes, you know, playing for Jock Vaughn, how the, the energy is different because the reason he didn't want to be on that team at the time when he requested the trade was because he didn't like how they were preparing. He didn't like the shoot arounds. Uh, he wanted more accountability. And uh, he would say that he asked Steve Nash, you know, like he needs more drills. He needs to practice more, blah, blah, blah. But Jock Vaughn, he's the one that's, you know, he's incredibly well-respected. Uh, he is demanding more out of them. They've been more prepared. Um, so that part is in there. That's got to be something that, that that we have to highlight because everyone's going to look at that quote, which, I mean, they should. I mean, if you put out names, if you drop names, then that obviously is going to get aggregated irresponsibly or whatever. But he's talking about his legacy is going to be quote unquote predicated on what Cam Thomas is learning from me and what he'll take away to help him by the time he's in his 10th year. That's my legacy. What I did with Andre Roberson, the confidence I helped him build when he was in the league. That's my legacy. Being able to play with Russell Westbrook, Steph Curry and Kyrie and still be me. Yeah, that's my legacy. That's who I am. That's what I bring to the game. So he definitely wanted to talk and like air stuff out. But if you read the article, He's coming from a good place. It's not the typical KD like trying to throw someone under the bus. Now, doing that and going to the media and, and name dropping him, Edmund Sumner, Joe Harris, Nick Claxton, Royce O'Neal, teammates that you're saying you want to uplift. You didn't have to go name by name. But I see where he's coming from. And at the same time, you can air it out a little better than that. Well, I like the passion that he has for playing. And, I, and, and I at least he's not beating sincere. around the bush. Right. He's sincere about that. I, I That's something that I think some people have wondered about KD. I'm like, no, he, he really loves to play. And he just wants to get out there. And I think he appreciates it even more considering how much time was taken away from him from those injuries. That being said, I mean, you know there have to be frustrations. As much as he loves being out there and playing – to go through everything that he's gone through the last couple of years off the court, how close they came, you know, on the court to getting a, you know, to a finals, even though he fully admits, like, even if they advanced, he was, his tank was empty. <laughs> like who knows what they would have done, but he was basically like, I'm spent. Uh, but you, you look at all the frustrations that come along with this ride he's been on, especially since joining Brooklyn. And I think he's, he's trying to be nice about it in that, I'm sure he's even talked to the team like, hey, I'm going to do my best, man. And this is this is why, you know, I, I requested a trade. This is why I said what I did. I wanted more accountability. I think that this is a guy that, that obviously cares about winning. He cares about his legacy. He cares about playing good basketball. All that being said, I just wonder if that's ever really going to happen in Brooklyn still. And I still believe that it's only a matter of time before he's probably gone. And I'm not saying it's going to be during the season, but I think there's going to come a time, some you know, whether it's this season, the off season, where Brooklyn's just going to say, we've got to change things up here. The best piece that we have is is Kevin Durant of, you know, getting back some assets and we're going to make that move. Yeah. And it it's probably a difficult decision. And I don't think that they're in a hurry to say, yeah, we're going to trade you. And especially if he's talking about if he's happy with, with Coach Vaughn, you know, like. But it depends on what the record is. And I don't know, like a month or two, like, you know, if they continue to show progress, like even when you look at last night's press conference in general, not the one on ones, he wasn't like tearing into to the nets about that loss he was talking about how the kings just were making every shot right and that like, happens that happens in this league it does maybe not to the tune of 150 or 153 but i mean if i was out there on the court i would expect somebody to put up 153 okay right. Right. but you know 
it's a different game when you've got some pros out there. Yeah. So you're saying you don't have good perimeter defense? Um, these days, no. Um, between my, let's see, lack of size, lack of muscle, and uh, slow down um, at my age. If I had any cardio, I can bother you. I, I will openly admit that I have long arms. But probably not. Running a 5K every day, which is something I basically try to do now, um, probably would not help me in a basketball court. Maybe we take your wind and my length and lankiness. No, my wind is not and there. And we because combine into one player. My wind is, is, is longer distance. And that's not even that long of a distance. Doing sprints up and down basketball court, mm, not my strength. I shall call him Spinny Fritz. <laughs> What a name that would be. That would be the ultimate sports name. I like that. Spinny Fritz. Oh, man. What a merge. What a merge. (laughs) As long as our minds don't meld together, too. Seriously. Seriously. (laughs) Was there any other games that, you know, in the last couple of uh, days caught your eye? Because, I mean, I, I admittedly, when I got back from Florida, I was like, dang, I got to get right back into the league. I want to watch this. And I was tuned in heavily on both nights. Uh, you know, the Mavericks pulling out or having to hold on for a win against way, the Clippers. By the way, that game, that game uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just have to say, seeing the all 2010s team lead that comeback for the Clippers, it just it just made my heart melt. Yeah. I, I saw John Wall pulling up mid-rangers, uh, getting to the basket. Nick Batum couldn't miss a three if you asked him to. Uh, Marcus Morris with the pull-up mid-rangers after the pump fake from the perimeter. Like, it, it was just an all-2010s team comeback that they executed. But, like you said, Dallas was able to come back. Yeah, they were. Well, Dallas was able to hold on. Yeah, I, were, I mean, come back from the, yeah. the momentum shift, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, they were they were they had a big lead in that game. They were leading by over 20 and, like, had to hang on for dear life there at the end, but they they got the win. Uh, I will mention too. This is a little bit off the court stuff, but the Spurs coming back down to earth a little bit after their their start, and um, I wonder if uh, we're going to start hearing more trade wins coming through San Antonio. You already mentioned the Celtics being linked to Jakob Pertle, and I think we're going to start hearing some some other names becomes the San Antonio here in the very near future. Yeah, sure. Josh Richardson's, you know, another one that makes sense just because of his veteran status. You'll also look at the competition level that they play with, though. I mean, after they got it handed to him by the Warriors, and by the way, they handed it to him. Jordan yeah, Poole did. was just then that mm-hmm. night. Very cool night for Golden State, by the way. They had the Run TMC broadcast on there. Chris Mullins and Tim Hardaway Jr. That was great. You know, like they they had the entire crew on there they even had tom tolbert on the on the sidelines it was really cool but jordan Poole went absolutely ham boon in that game (laughs) um (laughs) but the the wizards i mean not the wizards the warriors came out punch them in the mouth but then the next night spurs were very competitive against the, the the blazers and uh you know devin vassell continues to impress me man uh that kid's got some some pop He's got some real pop in his, you know, pep in his step. And Keldon Johnson, same thing. I, Jeremy Sohan has a lot of open three looks. He does not knock them down, but he can defend. Watch him watch him clamp up on Dame Lillard at the end of that game. That was very, very um, fun to watch. My God, by the way, run TMC. Sorry, I, I completely forgot Mitch Richmond, my bad. But, but uh, did, you, did you happen to catch that Spurs Blazers game? The end of that too was was very fun to watch. Drew Eubanks, former former Spur, um, really getting some big minutes there down the stretch for Portland. Um, Dame wasn't even the one who really closed it out. He missed a lot of shots. Who was closing it out was Jeremy Grant. It was Anthony Simons getting to the cup. Josh Hart making big defensive plays, and they're really in a good place. I think when I watch them, I'm like. This isn't a fluke. They can actually defend. They have the pieces to defend. And then you look off the bench. You have guys like Nasir Little. You have 
an off-ball savant, athletic guy, and Shaden Sharp, a rookie who we've got to continue to watch develop. He is so, so fun to watch um, just as, as somebody that just gives you some life off the bench. I, I really enjoy him. Uh, maybe not as much life as Benedict Matherin, who is just scoring and shooting the lights out right now. But they, that is a, a really solid talent in Shaden Sharp there in Portland. But that that whole team, you put them together, um, they they've really have good energy about them right now. They do. And you will... I think we were all wondering, like, how good Dame is going to be coming off of the the injury he had last year. And he looks like old Dame. You know, he's right there. Their defense has been so good. And you mentioned Josh Hart before. He's been their Swiss Army knife. You know, he's an undersized wing, but he just gets in there and makes it life difficult on everybody. And uh, this team has worked so far. I mean, we all had a lot of question marks going into the season, but, I mean, they're ten and four. We'll see if they keep it up. They're not putting up a ton of points considering the rest of the league, but they're they're getting it done defensively. That's where they're winning these games, you know. And we'll see if, if they can if they can continue this. I, I don't see any signs of it slowing down so far, especially when I look at like the road record. I mean, they're six and two on the road. And what happens too? You add Gary Payton the second to this team. Yep. And we know how defensively oriented he is. But he's another guy that's going to come off that bench and give them a ton, a ton of energy. I mean, we saw it in Golden State. That's a guy that the Warriors are really missing in. Like getting back. Oh to the Warriors, man, yeah. And and you know we could talk about what's going on there because I think a lot of people believe like sooner or later they they're going to turn it around. But I mean six and eight, zero oh and seven on the road. Their defense has been bad, especially on the road. You know they were working in James Wiseman and. For all of his gifts, you know, he was not working defensively coming off the bench. And that's where they're really getting burned to where now they, you know, they sent them to the G League for, it sounds like at least 10 days, probably gonna be at least two weeks or something. And, you know, it's go out there and get some reps. That's what yep. he needs. He's a get young guy, get your reps. Man. I mean, Jordan Poole even flat out told him and said in the press conference after a game the other night, like, hey, it's not a demotion. I went to the G League. I, just, I went through the same thing and look That's at right. what's happened with my career. So they're sending him there. You know, even when Draymond's on the court, um, they've had some defensive struggles, but we'll see, you know, what they can do to turn that around. And they, you know, they really miss not only Gary Payton, but they miss Otto Porter. Oh, yeah. You they do. At, and, and, and I mean, yeah, you, continue, please. I, I, well, I mean, I they're just, just gonna, missing yeah. some size in the wings right now, and, and mm-hmm. guys that really play hard. And it's it's an adjustment period right now to what they have. And, you know, Steph Curry is playing incredibly well. I mean, last year, if people will really want to dig into the numbers, Steph did not shoot well at all last year. He was for, for Steph Curry, it was bad. But I mean, you look at his numbers this year, he's back and he's he's incredible. It's back just, like he never left. Right. So <laughs> it's, for them, it's just Let's get it done defensively because, I mean, they're giving up, you know, 117 and a half points per game. As I look down here, you know, my list, and I look at them defensively right now, and they're 23rd um, when it comes to their efficiency, you know, at what, 110.4 per game? Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, this is, this is the Warriors. I mean, We'll see what it, if it's going to be a move or what they have to do. And, you know, Steve Kerr has talked about changing lineups and stuff like that. So, you know, they, that's what they've got to improve. I mean, I think they've gotten over this little hurdle, too, where, where Jordan Poole got out to a really bad start to the season. And maybe that game the other night against the Spurs helps really turn him around as well. But, um, yeah, this team is just kind of finding themselves after winning a championship. It's not just, all right, let's just keep the gas pedal down. It's we got to go through a little funk here at the beginning of the season. Everything that happened off the court, then, you know, different members of the team trying to work in other guys, going through this, you know, situation with Wiseman, um, Jordan Poole getting off to a slow start. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of little factors there, but they're one of the teams that you can look at them and go, yeah, they're six and eight, but they're Golden State. They'll figure it out. Yeah, I, I think you got to get more Moses Moody in there. I, I, I For some reason, when I watch him play, it just seems like 
he has a, a calmness about him when he's in the game. Um, Kuminga is an interesting thing right now. Um, he's not quite as involved as I thought he would be, especially after, you know, he showed so much promise in his rookie year. But it seems like for a team that's needy on that wing, you know, he's in that kind of tweener position. Uh, they're not playing him too much. I do like what I'm seeing from Anthony Lamb. Anthony Lamb is knocking it down right now. And uh, I know Anthony's game a little bit because he was part of the you know Cavs organization a couple of years ago. Um, he's playing for the charge and um, had a, a few games with that team. But, like, they're not getting what they want out of uh, Jermichael Green this year, too. Uh, it, that bench, it's everything. You you brought you made you made the perfect point, man. That bench is everything. Um, I want to see more Divincenzo in there too. I know it's difficult to play all these guards slash forwards, but there's got to be a way to to implement each of them in there with you know some solid rotation. You don't panic early, um, but the the defense and the 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 road record is what you got to fix. By the way, I mentioned the Spurs before, and I wonder like if they're taking their steps backwards, you know, and we're going to be hearing about them with some possible moves coming up here. Six and nine. But the interesting thing is their next seven games, they play the Lakers three times, including <laughs> a back-to-back at home, and they play the Thunder. So I think over these next seven games, we're going to get a clearer picture of where the Spurs are and what they might be doing here, you know, very soon. Could also be a clearer picture for your Lakers. Oh, I think there already is a pretty clear picture of the Lakers. <laughs> but you know, they, I was you know, going to say, don't don't mention the Thunder in that same breath, man. The Thunder they they yeah. are they they are a tough cookie, tough customer right now. You, well, you know how they always say there's light at the end of the tunnel. The problem is they don't see the end of the tunnel. They're like stuck in the tunnel, like right in the middle. So it's just pitch black. Yeah, just pitch black. <laughs> Waiting on the train tracks. <laughs> Oh, they are they they are tied to the train tracks, and they hear choo choo coming. Oh boy! Yeah, do, do you have any piece to say on that? <laughs> any mean, piece whatsoever? Hey, let let I I I love how they're like you know we can't really evaluate this team until we're healthy. We got to get Dennis Schroeder and Thomas Bryant back. Okay, sure. Okay, whatever you say, man. Okay. Hey, I will say this one thing, though, in all sincerity. For people that wanted to write off Anthony Davis, he is, and I know that he went through some back stuff earlier this year, but he just kind of gutted through it. He's only missed, he missed the one game. He's played so much better this year. And I think, I think his body has changed a little bit to where he's not as bulky. And he said, I'm, I'm done staying farther on the perimeter. And he's playing a lot closer to the rim. You see how hard he's playing. His rebounding, I think, is better than it's been the last couple of years. So, hey, AD's still playing hard. And uh, he's back. He's not, like, the best AD we've ever seen, but he's a hell of a lot closer to it than he was. That's good. That's good to hear. And I, I don't want him settling for those threes because he's just not particularly good at it. So, like, being I know. closer to the rim is good. They kept saying, like, oh, we want him to shoot more threes, shoot more threes. I'm like, Why? He's not a good. He's not a great perimeter jump shooter. It's just is he's, what it he's is. He's not. I mean, he hit that shot to beat the the Nuggets in the playoffs the year they won the championship. But like, he's not a. I mean, if he's wide open, he'll take some. But he's not a guy that's looking for that shot, and he shouldn't, because he has so many gifts, you know, inside the paint. Yeah. I I think within the next two weeks, we will have a clear picture on that team and what they're going to be doing because. You know, everybody keeps waiting for them to make a trade. They're going to make a trade. They're going to make a trade. They're going to make a trade. And then others are like, their season's lost. What's the point? I think we will know one way or the other here in the next couple of weeks. I know they said they wanted to wait like 20, 25 games, wanted to wait till Thanksgiving. And that's probably where that's going to be at that point. But we'll, we'll know here soon enough. I mean, their their schedule is a little bit better coming up here over the next week. I mean, you know, like I mentioned, they played the Spurs three times over the next, you know, their next six games. They played Detroit on Friday night. And by the way, LA has this weird thing where they 
last played on Sunday and they don't play again till Friday. So, you know, they're getting healthy. I think LeBron's even going to be back in the lineup on Friday. Um, even after that, they play the Pacers. So it's not like their schedule is incredibly tough over the next, you know, week and a half or so. We'll see if they can chalk up a couple of wins. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see on that. As far as the Cavs goes, since this is what we do, how do we end every podcast? We talk about our teams. As far as the Cavs go, uh, not the greatest road trip out west. A lot of points being given up. You come out on the other end with injuries. Jared Allen's dealing with an ankle injury. Dean Wade's dealing with knee bursitis. Donovan Mitchell, another ankle injury, though he is probably a game-time decision on Wednesday going into Milwaukee. But uh, the defense just not guarding the perimeter enough. Uh, When Jared Allen is not there in the middle, it just makes things so much more difficult. Evan Mobley, as great of a defender as he is, he is not the body that Jared Allen is. So him being an anchor is just not the same. He is very good at weak side help and being a switchy defender. Um, and you know, and when you put him pick, pick and rolls, like he can do that. But when you got a guy just come up straight, brutally, brutally attacking you uh, at the rim, it's a whole different story. I mean, you see it on Sunday, uh, probably not the best game to be missing a seven footer that you have. Um, against Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns straight bullied him. He straight bullied uh, Evan Mobley inside of the paint. Um, you know, the, these are things and adjustments the Cavs have to make already this early in the season. Um, you'd rather have these injuries obviously happen in Cleveland right now than in April, but um, there's that, and then there's also uh, end-of-game execution that hasn't been the greatest. So um, other than that game Sunday when they punched back really hard against the Wolves and weren't able to to finish the comeback. They were not able to close out quarters well. Um, fourth quarters in particular, I should say. Um, just down the stretch, um, just not executing. This is just pretty much how what it's been. Uh, they had the game against the, uh, the Warriors pretty much seemingly in the bag before Curry went off and, and won the way he did. Um, the game before that against the Kings, the Kings got off to one of the shooting starts that they did against the the Nets. Then the Cavs, you know, played some defense in the fourth, uh, the third quarter. In the fourth, ended up taking a lead. Then the Kings just didn't fold and came back and beat them. Uh, but self, you know, destruction as far as uh, turnovers in the fourth quarter and. Um, a lot of ISO one-on-one, you know, getting stagnant. You know, they talk about that sometimes. Um, that's pretty much what they have to improve right now. And it's an up-and-down season. Told you it was early a couple weeks ago uh, when they were, you know, on an eight-game winning streak or whatever the hell it was. Uh, but they are taking on the the Bucks here on uh, Wednesday evening. And then they come home for a three-game homestand that, should be decently winnable. You know, they come home and their schedule isn't too difficult. You know, they they play the Hornets on Friday. Um, and then you have the Heat and the Hawks on Sunday and Monday on a back-to-back. That's difficult. Um, all right, maybe I'm wrong. So it is actually decently difficult. But you get some home cooking. And, uh, you know, the night before Thanksgiving, they play the Blazers. Uh, and then they're, you know, back on a little small three-game road trip. So... They get the West Coast road trip out of the way, essentially, um, and and you're you're back home after this this game in Milwaukee. You can get some rest, hopefully get some guys healthy, and leave it at that. The Cavs, despite this little losing streak that they've been on out west, they're they're so balanced and so incredibly well, and I think people now can really appreciate Donovan Mitchell from the standpoint that like he's still not in the biggest market, but because he got traded and because it was one of the biggest moves of the off season uh, and how well Cleveland has played, I think people are getting to, to see his game and appreciate it that much more. Oh, hundred uh, percent, you know, and, and just to watch that team. Hey, I, the Cavs are really good. They're going to be, I mean, that's a team that is built, to to be there throughout the entire season and i i still think they have another move to make um if they want to make that move 
they have some flexibility there that they can. And by the way, the unsung hero of that team, just like last year, continues to be Kevin Love. Kevin Love has been incredible. He's and, got, I think, 10 or 11 charges drawn, by the way. Um, but he's knocking down the catch shoots. Um, he's beating everybody's he's, bench up, rebounding the ball. Too. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, he's perfect off the bench in that role. And, you know, he'll close out games sometimes. Um, it really just depends on the situation. JB isn't tied to anybody at the end of the game. Um, it's very matchup oriented. But, you know, even Karis LeVert has been asked to do a, a gajillion things, and, and he's responded really well, even if he's not having the best night from the field. Um, Sunday, by the way, was absolutely a schedule loss. Uh, you're coming off of a four-game West Coast road trip, and you play two days later, having to travel from Golden State to your home in a day and a half, and the game starts at 6 p.m. Eastern time. That was a schedule loss. <laughs> yeah. And they came out sluggish. You you cannot say they didn't come out sluggish. Those first three quarters were abysmal. And then uh, fourth quarter, they turned it on. But yeah, no, we'll see what happens. It's a good measuring stick game here against the Bucks coming up on Wednesday evening. I like watching the Cavs, too. They're, they're one of the more fun teams to watch. Yeah, I mean, they play with a good energy. Um, and they, they just got to clean some stuff on the defensive end up. But again, it's yeah. difficult when they don't have Darren Allen. That's well, the just other thing the reality too, situation. One of the big things that I like, not only the style on the court, obviously that's a big thing, you know, when watching a team. I love watching teams where there's just good energy on the bench and everybody's pulling for one another. I think that is an underrated element, especially in the NBA, that you don't always see, but it's the something that you see on the really good teams. I think. You know what JB's saying is the, the this year, isn't it? Don't you? What's that? The strength of the team is the team. Here's the question that I have for you, though. Okay. Have you gotten to hold, much less wear, the junkyard dog chain yet? I have not. I've been close to it, but I have not held or worn the junkyard dog chain. Explain I don't think what I that ever is. will. Explain what that is. Uh, you know, like, it's honestly because it's such a young team, it makes sense. I mean, basically... What JB's messages to the team is that they have to win the scrap. So the player that hustles the most gets the most 50-50 balls, get the most deflections, offensive rebounds, those hustle plays, the non-box score plays. That person gets the junkyard dog chain. So they've given it out to, oh, let's go down the list here. I think Dean Wade got the first, or no, Donovan Mitchell got the first one, then it was Dean Wade, then it was Kevin Love, then Evan Mobley and Jared Allen shared it, then the team got it as a whole, then the team gave it to JB, and then Darius Garland got it on his night, they came back. See, I not only want a picture of you wearing it, but I want you to have the grills in as well. Oh, no. This isn't no Kirk Kirk Cousins, Taylor Heineke situation. Oh, that's a great example. I'm not doing that. We're, 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 uh, I think that, that, uh, that, that Kirk might have had a, a few adult beverages in him at that point. Oh, yeah. I'm not asking you to take your shirt off like him. <laughs> okay. That's only me at weddings. <laughs> oh, oh, oh really? Yeah, there's a different side of me that comes out with weddings. Really? <laughs> wow. Weddings and vivations. Yes, that is not for the uh, general public to consume. But I think uh, we'll leave that to their imagination, and we'll leave them with that. I think that was a good episode of Keeping It 94. Glad to have you back, buddy. Thanks, and, man. Uh, we're getting right into Thanksgiving season. Next week will be a Thanksgiving edition of Keeping It 94. Maybe we'll talk turkey. Ha! Stuffing, potatoes, all the good stuff. But until then, we'll talk to you next week. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Keep it at 94 on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Music, and wherever you get your podcasts. We have other great ones for you to listen to that you have to be sure to subscribe, rate, and review to as well. The Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr. The Alex Kennedy Podcast with Alex Kennedy. The Rematch with Aton Thomas. Dishes and Dimes with the Ladies. Clips and Drew. And 
the Rex Chapman Show with Josh Hopkins. Again, you can find them on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you listen. Make sure to check out basketballnews.com. Going to have some really good interview content coming up from yours truly. Catching up on that. Go look at the film work that Nikias Duncan and Ethan Fuller have done for us lately. It's been just dynamite stuff. And consume that. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube page. Download our app, basketballnews.com. You can look it up on the App Store and the uh, Android Store. So, yeah. Until next week when we're gobbling up some turkey and eating some good stuff, take it easy.